Hold on a second. Oh, shit. That's fine. Mom. Yes. Hi. Hi. You called me. What are you doing? Gabe and I are about to record our podcast. Okay. What? Hi, Gabe. Hey. Okay. All I wanted to ask you was what, you know, John put um, Netflix on our TV. Uh-huh. I don't know the password, and I kind of want to watch the movie today. Oh, my gosh. You'll have to... You'll have to text John that question, and he'll probably have some more information for you. Why? D- <laughs> like the password that you're asking for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Love you. Bye. Wait, what movie do you want to watch? I want to watch a documentary called um, the, the Biggest Little Farm in America. Okay. Yep. That tracks. Mm-hmm. Great. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch the biggest little farm in America. You know, the know. documentary that everybody knows about. I don't know my Netflix password. John put it on our TV when we set it up and we just never used it. Do you know what it is off the top of your head? <laughs> Love you. Love you. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye, Jerry. Bye. This is SVU Pod, especially heinous, and I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. We are on season one, episode eight, which of course isn't the right one, but again, blah, 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 Amazon. The episode is called Closure. We open up. There's a woman smoking in the dark. And her hair's wet. She just like obviously got out of the shower. Oh, she makes a call to 911 and just says. And the phone's like, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, this is 911. I've just been raped. Olivia's pager goes off. She's, 90s. Yep. She's in bed with fucking Cassidy. Ooh. He's Ew. shirtless. It's I'm not mad about it until later. In the very beginning, I'm not mad about it at all. And I'm like, he can get it and we can... All of us deserve a sexy dum-dum from time to time. Yeah. So go Olivia. Especially when she's like, uh, don't get used to it. And then she hops out of bed and runs off to her badass job. Mm-hmm. We're at the hospital. And this is when I realize they're doing, what they're doing is they're showing, and I love that they do this mm-hmm. in 1999. Yep. But they're going through everything that it takes after someone reports a rape. Yeah. So not only are you like, have to go through the hell of fucking being raped. They timestamp everything. 2 a.m. Yeah. 3, 4 45 a.m. So I took note of the timestamps of everything that they have to go through. So the time starts start the timestamp starts at 12:42 a.m. Olivia comes in. She says to the girl behind the counter, "I'm looking for the 10:34," which mm-hmm. I immediately I'm like, "Okay, this is like the person doing a rape kit." And the lady behind the counter goes, "Which one?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, they're in New York. Olivia meets the woman. Her name's Harper Anderson. She looks just like Kristen Bell to me, and I kept like going back and oh, in, into yeah. it in my head, even though she looks like current Kristen Bell, and Kristen Bell was probably like nine, no, 1989, 20. I don't know how old <laughs> she is. She's our age, isn't she? Mm. Then like she's looking. Good. She's in high school at this time. I'm like a rough 50 then. (laughs) So she's sitting in the hallway waiting for a room to open up, I guess. For 45 minutes, yeah. She's been there for 45 minutes. The cut she told the cop to fuck off who was there with her and was just like, Yeah, go get coffee or whatever. So she's sitting there alone, having just had in her in her robe. Yeah. That's what she came in with. Yep. So then Olivia sits down and she just starts asking her all these invasive questions about her rape in the hallway at the hospital, mm-hmm. which I think is more to just like immediately. Like, you've been sitting here for 45 minutes. We got to get things going. 
so she doesn't forget like that. Right. These people are going to ask you questions that you don't feel comfortable with. You don't fucking know them. It's hard. I can't I can't even imagine what Yeah. She's like like even when Olivia sat down, she's like, Oh, it's nice to meet you. Well, and she kinda like steps back a little bit. Well duh, it's not nice to fucking meet you. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have an interaction with you unless something horrible just happened to me. Mm-hmm. So she went through some of the details. He hit her, he raped her, he made her shower. They do a rape kit, and again, they timestamp it all the way through to highlight what a lengthy and invasive process the whole thing is. And it's necessary but terrible, like all the stuff that they have to do. Ooh, they have a male doctor I was just gonna say doing they had the exam. Male do it. It's also like super busy Manhattan-y type, whoever's available. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's gotta be. Come on. I know. So then the doctor's talking to Stabler, because of course he shows up too, because he's amazing at his job. Talking to Stabler about the assault. Stabler chews out the cop for leaving her sit there, and he's like, I don't care. I don't care if she pushes you away. Dude, yeah. you have to stay with her. You stay with you stay with the Vic. Okay, they're back to the station. Uh, she because she has to make a formal statement. Not only does she have to go through all that, then she then she has to deal with the police stuff. Right. Well, because they were like, you can come in tomorrow, and she's like, I want to get this all I get this done. done. She's like, I'm ready. So she's making this formal statement. That night, there was a street fair, and she put on her earplugs, and then she woke up, and there was a man in her room, and he had a gun, and um, she said the whole thing lasted for 42 minutes. He like lifted up her gown, and her arms kind of got stuck in it, and he like covered her eyes with it and tried to kiss her, and then when she pulled away he hit her but was like polite said please and was like is this how you like it and he made her shower adjusted the water and it seemed to really affect her when she was talking about like how he was kind about like bathing her um, which is just absolutely disgusting and terrifying right Um, and then he had her lay on the floor and said count to 20 and that he wasn't going to insult her by saying she won't to not call the police right and she's still answering questions um, and she and I think at this time it's like five in the morning or something and she's talking about everything she can remember his cologne smelled not cheap and that she felt she could for sure pick him out in a lineup and then he took her ring and her wallet yeah and her ring was very unique because it was her grandmother's so it was a family heirloom and it was vintage so it was like a leafy it's like a tree with like diamond leaves or something yeah like branchy thing with a stone in the middle or whatever it was a just it was something unique so they're like okay that gives us something to they can go on that so they take her to her boyfriend's house obviously she doesn't want to go home and Olivia explains to her that the state will pay for new locks and I do want to say because I have this noted here that at 549 that's the point that she put her head down and she was just frustrated and over with oh because they're like what laundromat do you go to what she's just like right Ugh. it's 549 in the morning yeah. and Olivia first met her at 1242 a.m. Mm-hmm. and that was just when Olivia first met her so Olivia has been dealing with it for six hours she's been dealing with it for beyond that this is what I was like I feel like this episode is a lesson in why women don't report or mm-hmm. give up on prosecuting because this is just there's so much tape to go through with all mm-hmm. of it you know you just have to keep reliving it and reliving it and answering yeah. questions and yeah 6 13 a.m okay she's done because she was finally done at quarter after six in the morning so olivia drops her off at her boyfriend's house and she has a key and she's explaining about the lock stuff and was like here's my pager number please doesn't say text please page like, <laughs> like day or night and then there was like this weird kind of sad smile exchange between both of them you know yeah. and i love that olivia like took her home i just love olivia mm-hmm. olivia goes straight to her apartment. Her name's Harper. We already said that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Harper Anderson. Go to Harper um Harper's apartment and they're talking about how he got in through the window. It hasn't been um it doesn't lock and it's was she on the third floor or the second floor? It doesn't matter. There, there was a fire ex- uh, escape and he got through that window. Yeah. They find pot and that whole pot Like exchange, a roach. Yeah. The whole pot exchange thing was like, Cassie's like, maybe she's delirious or like 
paranoid. And I'm like, do these people even know what pot is or like does? It's not PCP, They're like, that's bro. narcotics. We don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Cassie's starting to like ask questions about like him thinking that maybe it's staged. Because he's, he's like, oh, I'm a good detective. I have to... Go through every. Um, yeah, I was. I was just like through it. This whole thing, I was just like, "Fuck you, Cassidy." I'm regretting that I was attracted to you 13 minutes ago. This isn't okay because he kept trying to poke holes in her story, which he kept throughout the episode kept calling it good police work. And our majestic Olivia was just like, every time he would try to pull some shit. Yeah. Every time he would try to say. Well, you said he pushed your nightgown up. Then how would she see the clock? She's like, you know? um, before and after, you right. hot fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe I put your dick in all the places I put it. <laughs> and then he was like, you know, he ended up having a curling iron and putting it against her head because. Yeah, he found it in the bathroom and he's like, what does this feel like? She's like, a curling iron? Yeah. He's like, or a gun. Yeah. So his doubt is horseshit, blah, blah, blah. We're back in the precinct. Olivia is, I assume, in full regret mode. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's talking to Cassidy that that she can't believe his, he's speculating so hard that she made it up. Defending himself like, I'm a cop and I gotta look at stuff from all angles. Yeah, and she's like, well, pump the brakes. And Cragen said he doesn't have enough evidence for that kind of speculation, so he shut that shit down. Mm -hmm. They go over all the details. They're looking for a stranger, a bland-ass, moneyed, white, right-handed dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was planned. He clearly had experience with all of the details of what he did. Like, this is something he had done before. Mm -hmm. Because of that, they started to look to see if it matched any other open cases. Craigan sends them off to get more info. Cassie did a question vendors on the street that were at the fair and munched to pawn shops to check for the ring and Olivia back to Harper then to talk to the neighbors to see if anybody heard or saw anything. Mm -hmm. Benson and Stabler are talking to Benji Kane, which is Harper's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I recognized him, so I checked IMDb and it's Roger Bart. I know. I, I wouldn't know him by name, but... So then I like went through all of his filmography and it's crazy long, but I realized I remember him from Stepford Wives, which got 26% on Rotten Tomatoes Wait, and like I've the, seen it like six times. Like the new one with Matthew Broderick and uh, Nicole Kidman mm -hmm. and that one chick that I love. Bette Midler. Bette Midler. Mm -hmm. yeah. She's like, over the shoulder, boulder holder. <laughs> And yeah, I, I, honestly, I've seen that like like four times, and I, I know. I'm always like, this is a good movie. Why is it 26 percent? If it's on, I'm watching it. <laughs> I have impeccable taste. <laughs> so he's like, he's, he's pissed. He's super pissed about the rape. He was also like, oh, she went to work because she couldn't sleep and she was whatever. So Benson and Stabler go to Harper's job. La poem. La I, think, uh, I didn't see. It. Oh, it was the restaurant. Yeah, it was like la poem. Yes. <laughs> She's a server there, um, and they're outside on the patio. How much pot did you smoke last night? Really? you guys yeah she's like what does it fucking matter i know she gets understandably defensive because it's 1999 well yeah actually. i mean but but st it doesn't matter it's like i smoked this itty bitty pinner and mm -hmm. you're gonna give me shit regarding my rape how does that even saying it out loud sounds bananas well she was just saying how she's like i had a job interview and i wanted to mellow out mm -hmm. man but she like Wild. understood what they were saying right like right away she was like wait are you saying i'm paranoid i'm like how did you i wouldn't i wouldn't have even like i would I i'd be like why are you bringing up the tiny bit of pot when well, you're supposed to have my back about the I wouldn't have even thought like they think I'm paranoid making it up because we is it doesn't do that make me we think makes I've been me paranoid I mean, no it makes me paranoid and barfy but I don't hallucinate an entire rape I know you I know don't I mean? I mean I don't know if they were 
like if that was the implication or whatever, but I think that they, they're like, we're turning over every stone, but it seemed superfluous. It didn't seem really necessary mm -hmm. to even like throw the pot shit in there. But after the last fucking episode where they're like every element of every crime <laughs> yeah. that could be in there, they're like, that same wait guy is sitting in the writer's room and he's like, hey, make it so she had weed in her room. And they're like, fine. Wait, wait, Gary, put some diamonds in one of her bra straps. <laughs> just let him, just, but shh, just my area. He's Dick Wolf's nephew. Just put it in there. <laughs> so Benson and Stabler then go to talk to Harper's super at her apartment building. Um, and they don't get any leads. But then the neighbor, oh my God, I wish I could mimic her accent. But she's like, I didn't see anything, but I know someone who did. <laughs> and she points out the window and there's this peeping Tom looking around a curtain through the window. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's go talk to this creepy fuck. So they're going to the door to go up to his apartment. His name's Sam Wardner. They find this out because Olivia gets a phone call to get the information. He's got three priors for trespassing. They go up to his apartment. He's got a giant telescope, just like everything that like a creepy dude would have. Yeah. He tells them what he saw because at first he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> she, oh, it is. They're like, oh yeah, the one with the red with the red walls on the third floor. And he's like, second floor. Whoops, you got me. Okay, here's all the details. <laughs> Ew. Nasha, I don't like that. First of all, he didn't sound like that. Second of all, it's so gross when you do that. Internally. <laughs> But, and it's perfect though. <laughs> so he tells them everything. In he saw the whole fucking the whole thing. thing. I saw him climb into her window. Saw him like throw a fucking rock, dude. Just everything him that happened to her. His, like he was like, she doesn't wear underwear when she sleeps. Yeah, because before they were like, where are her underwear? Like maybe he took them. Why didn't you call the police? And he just he stares like, at them. He's like, oh, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't want them to know I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> so then they're asking him details that he couldn't answer about the attacker. And he's like, I wasn't looking at him. <laughs> Jesus oh, fucking Christ. Yeah. And oh. then he's like, what are you going to do to me? And this is the best. Oh, yeah. Olivia's like, exactly what you did. For her. Harper. Yeah. Nothing. Well, she didn't say nothing, but like we knew it meant nothing. Oh, she didn't say nothing? Mm -mm. In my head, I was like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why I think she said it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so they're at their, at their station. Um, someone used her credit card to buy 500 pounds of meat, right? It was <laughs> yeah. like 500 pounds. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm saying that right? Cassidy pulls Olivia aside and he's like, bro, I want to hang out. And she. Oh, he hands her her watch and he's like, you left this behind last night. Yeah. I want to see you again. I forgot like all of that happened in like one night. She's like, like, get off my dick. We got drunk and fucked. Calm down. Leave Whatever cop bar. M malarkeys or something. <laughs> like, and, and he was like, you're mad at me because of what happened. I'm just doing my cop work. Right. He's like, it's nothing personal. Oh and my then, God. Her eye, I'm just watching her eyes and she, she's like, honey, no, but that shit he, did not help. No. And he was like, it's nothing personal. And she's like, exactly. Just like last just night. Just like last night. And I was like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> And he didn't, he was speechless. Oh, oh and then her and <gasps> her and I just looked at my head in my notes and I'm like, oh yeah. And then Stabler dads her really hard. <laughs> yeah. They're chit chatting. He's like, so how long have you been fucking Cassidy? Well, I'm not. Okay, I am, but I just one time. And Stabler's like, obviously. He looks like, like a disappointed dad. He's like, ah, oh, Or she's like, he wants to hang out. And he was like, do you blame him? And I still feel like they have, it's earlier in the season, so they're still speckling. And like, are they going to at some point fuck? Because like they're a male, female cop, you know, it's like right. the 90s. And then he was like, it happened. But little do we know that this tension is going to go on for 20 <laughs> fucking seasons <laughs> i love it oh i just i don't ever want it to end after a while it got to a point to me where i was like they're family yeah and like they're not exactly. gonna fuck ever Ugh. 
It would ruin it. Now it would ruin it's it. too far. Like it's it's too far. It would have ruined it. I'd have been like, oh my god, his wife, his kids. What are they gonna do? It, who's gonna get fired? This isn't a good idea, you guys. Dear executive producer, <laughs> Dick Dick Wolf. Uh, anyways, <laughs> five hundred pounds of meat. Oh yeah. Oh, one thing that was weird that Stabler said is he was like, it happens, and she was like, really? Oh, it feels like you're foreshadowing like, for a Stabe story in the future. Yeah, or like he's saying he did. Oh, I don't know. It was well, like they're setting it up that like Stabler had something. That's what I'm saying. Or maybe he's just saying that to make her feel better. Anyway, someone used her credit card. Ron Johnson. Harper's credit card to buy 500 pounds of good meat. Yeah, his name is Ron Johnson. They're like, this guy doesn't need a huge backstory. Ron Johnson, 500 pounds of meat. Like, no detail. Not not like, hey, I'm throwing a luau, and he comes in in a Hawaiian shirt and a lay. Like, (laughs) nope, this is just what it's how I roll. So they pick him up and bring him in for questioning. They ask him about the rape, and he was like, whoa, I've done a lot of things. (laughs) Not that. And it turns out he was in a holding cell for, like, jumping a medium or something, medium, trying to get on a highway or something. It doesn't matter. He was in a holding cell all last night. And then when he came out, he found the wallet in a trash can. Yeah, he got out after. She was already at the hospital when he got released from the holding cell. So it wasn't him. Yeah. He used it to buy me. So then they're like, okay, they t- cut they, him loose. They, well, they call Harper first because they're like, we're going to have him do a lineup. Harper gets there and they had already realized that. Yeah. They were like, I'm sorry. She was still like, I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah. You know. Oh, think about the roller coaster right. to go through that. So she's like fully prepared to IDM and she's reasonably pissed because Olivia's like, what's well, not her attacker? And she just looks at Olivia and she's like, so he's still out there. Black screen title card six, six months, months later. later. Yeah. I wish we would have nailed that at the same time together more. Si- six, six months, months Six months later. Seven months later. <laughs> That's from a horror, a New Zealand horror movie. <laughs> six months later. That's pretty good. Thanks. Is it? I don't know. I don't know either. I also think that seven months later. <laughs> oh, it's your turn. All right. <laughs> Wait, mine was more like Beansing in Stabler. <laughs> Olivia and Cassidy are in the precinct. She looks hot as I was shit ju- yeah. in like this really cute satin button-up blouse. These are the details that I can't with, skip for time. With like sake. a little bit of her belt, like a little like it's midriff. It's midriff. She's like looking 90s, but classy as fuck. Right. Her hair is a little bit different to show that it's six months later and yeah. she got like an updated do. He gives her shit because she's going out yeah, with someone six it. months after yeah. she let him touch her boobs. And yeah. she's, he's like, oh, six months ago you said you were ready for a relationship. She's like, come on, Bri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. He goes in on her to just like shit on her happiness and make himself superior, you know, like a yeah. true incel cockhole. Cregan pulls Benson into his office. Wait, what? Cassidy says some bullshit. No matter who you end up marrying, she's like, if, she's like, you're going to get married. You know you will. It's like, no matter who you end up marrying, it'll always be an affair to this job. And then he walks off and she looks all like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, that's you're an like, incel shit. One time. Right. Like, you don't think he's fucked anybody since then? Please. Ugh. He's Cassidy. So Cragen pulls Benson into his office. Detective Halligan from Robbery is in Cragen's office. He has a story that matches almost perfectly to Harper's story. A woman, Jane Tyler, had a gun under the mattress in this situation, so she pulled it on the guy after he broke in doing all the same shit, trying to hold it down, whatever else. And she flips on the lights. She flips on the lights. She's got a gun and sees that he has a curling iron. But she couldn't find it in her to shoot him. So then the cops ended up finding him, like, down the street or whatever. And he had, like, a hurt leg or something. He, like, yeah, fell he was or... limping. So the cops picked him up. Jane Tyler couldn't ID him because he wore a mask this time. So he's advancing his 
protocol. However, he you yeah. know whatever his steps and he are. like he like kind of beat her up. Oh yeah, like oh, it kinda? was different than yeah. Har- Harper. Like Harper, he hit her one time, which isn't good. I don't mean it like that, but it's like he. You're right. Like doing, he's doing the advancing of like it's like, yeah. He's honing in and like getting more violent. Right. Got so he's got a lawyer on retainer. So he's some rich dude, and they're like, okay, well we're gonna need Harper to come in and ID this guy. Benson goes to see Jane Tyler. She's got this crazy black eye, and she's just getting information from her. He took her father's watch, and it had her dad's name, Leo, engraved on the bottom. And Olivia's like, that's not in the report. And she goes, well, I was, I couldn't talk when they came, uh, when the police came, just because I was too upset. So he, she also did not tell them that he raped her as well. Yeah. Like, and the second Benson was like, what else isn't in the report? She just, like, broke down and started crying. Yeah. So then she went into detail, and all of these details matched Harper's details, so Olivia was really certain. Benson and Stabler go straight to the dude's house. His name's Kenneth Cleary, and his fancy-ass wife answers the door wearing Harper's ring. Mm-hmm. Also, these people are waspy as fuck. They're in the interrogation oh, room they're in the him. station. They're interviewing mm-hmm. Kenneth. Uh, he says he was limping He because he, he got picked up by the police, kind of, like, right outside Jane's house. Mm-hmm. And... He was like, oh, silly me, I was walking and my foot gave out, my ankle gave out. So I was just, I tripped and I was limping. And they were like, what the fuck were you doing over there at 2.30 in the morning? He's like, oh, I had accounts I was worried about and I was just taking a walk. And he's there like 18 blocks from your fucking house. Yeah. You know, he just had like a really like convenient excuse And he for had everything. an answer. For, Olivia asked about his wife's ring and he's like, oh, I bought it off the street. From um, TJ, <laughs> like yeah. somebody, yeah. And they're like, who's Leo? And he's like, oh, it's my astrological sign. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's just tripping over... I mean, they're trying to get him, and he just keeps having an answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Craig and, well, they're with the DA, who I love her voice, by the way. Mm-hmm. She's like gravelly and Demi Maury. Oh, yeah. It's great. Olivia's like, we yeah. need to get a warrant for Harper to pick this guy out because there's no other, you know, he had a mask on with Jane, and there's other women that have probably been raped but haven't come forward. Right, because Harper doesn't want to come back in. She doesn't want to deal not talking with to it. Them. She's not talking to them. And so Olivia's trying to figure it out because she's frustrated, and yeah. Craigan's like, we don't have she's two like, She's like, can't we get her on like a moving violation or something? And Craigan's like, Olivia. Which Olivia yeah. will never do. She's just freaking out. Yeah. And but he's the DA's like, like, I'm not going to fucking rape her again. She's like, I didn't mean it like that. The DA's like, you're going to have to use your own powers of persuasion because I can't help you with this. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Craigan's like, we don't have two victims yeah. anyway because SVU is dealing with the Harper situation, but Jane did not report her rape. So she is not a rape victim on paper. Yeah. And that's you know? the only thing that counts apparently. First they go to her old apartment, her original Ooh, apartment. Right. So she brings Cassidy, which I thought was interesting because Cassidy is always such a fuck. Maybe she kind of knew he would accidentally push buttons. I don't know. Yep. And the super answers the door and he's like, she never slept here again. She yeah. never came back. She's like, I still have his her deposit. Yeah. So then they talk to the boyfriend I forgot about this. And she couldn't sleep in her apartment, the same apartment. They talked to the boyfriend and he's like, yeah, we broke up. She wasn't sleeping, eating. She wore her running shoes to bed. Like all of these heartbreaking things. They never had sex again. One of the things he said was new job, new place, new Harper. He was like, I didn't sleep because she didn't sleep. She had to have all the lights on. Yeah. She's like, my boss was bragging on me. And Stabler's like, oh, that must have been so hard for you. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh my God, thank you. (laughs) 
No, it's, it was the hardest on me of everybody. So yeah, they go to her new apartment because the boyfriend gives them her forwarding address, mm-hmm. and she basically just tells them to fuck off and not to come back. They're knocking on the door. She won't answer. And Olivia's like, I think you know how stubborn I am. I'm gonna wait here forever. And Harper finally lets her in. They beg her to look at a photo array. She claims to be over the whole thing, and Olivia confronts her truth, which is that she's forever changed by it. Um, you don't just get over it, and that's right. how she knows she's not over it. And she has this beautiful moment with her. And Cassidy she, was like, maybe it's not the guy that did her. And she was like, did me? I feel like that was intentional. I feel like that's why she brought Cassidy. Yeah, because he's a dumb dick. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want to fucking hang she's out with like, him. She's like, hey, use your dumb dick for good. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll take it from there. Back off. Yeah. She's begging Harper not to accept it as it being enough and to come back to the station. If you don't need this help, then do it to help us. And Harper sees the lineup and they go through the lineup and do the, is this how you like it? Phrase. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, he's not there. So they have to cut the guy loose. They have to. Well, we don't know that, but they did. They did. Well, because they kept referencing like the t- the clock is ticking and especially yeah. because he has a good lawyer, they're going to make sure that the 24 hour hold yeah. is going to, like as soon as that hits, they're going to be like, let us out or charge us with something, you know? Yeah. So they're sitting at Olivia's desk. Harper's like, oh my God, I'm so glad he wasn't in there. And Olivia's like, here, I have this. And she gives Harper her ring back. She's like, oh my God, where did you get this? She goes, from a man you couldn't identify. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Harper sobs a little and they hug. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. the end. <sighs> oh my God, so. I can't fucking wait for this. The story is fucked. Okay. It's fucked. Also, my brain is just spliced with this and season one of RuPaul's Drag Race because it's on Hulu. Uh, It's on Hulu right now, so. Season one is? You're starting over? I'm watching it fully from the beginning. I was reading articles about the story and taking notes for a while before I found out that it's the inspiration for the show Unbelievable on Netflix. I was a period of time into it. As I'm reading stuff, taking notes. This episode was? No, no, no. This true crime chaser that I'm doing. Oh, okay. I'm reading this one particular article and I was like, oh, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. Is this story true? Like, I don't want to waste my time and this is fiction because it was so fantastical. It was such a gripping story that I was like, this can't be true. So then I'm like doing some more Googling and it's like, hey, this is the inspiration for the show Unbelievable on Netflix. True story. Oh, cool. So with that, if you haven't watched the show Unbelievable, like me, maybe skip this chaser before you watch it if you like to go in fresh. I don't know how closely the true story is to the show, because the show is quote unquote inspired by so it might have a lot more like detail that's written. Gabe's seen it so you mm-hmm. might offer some input on And then I was like obsessed with reading about the actual detectives. <laughs> uh, also I wanted to make a note that there's a whole other element to this story but it would take me an insane amount of time if I did everything that was in this story because it's already kind of long but Oh I, my god, oh my god, I can't wait. I really don't want to minimize the insanity of what happens in the other element of the story so to read the extremely detailed and well written story, go to ProPublica.org and it's titled An Unbelievable Story of Rape, written by T. Christian Miller of ProPublica and Ken Armstrong of The Marshall Project. This was so detailed and so well written, but here's my book report. (laughs) On January 5th, 2011, Detective Stacy Galbraith was at a Denver apartment complex to investigate a rape that had been reported. I should say a Denver suburb. It was Golden. You know, you live in Colorado, so you're going to like know some of this stuff. I've been to Golden. The victim 
was a 26-year-old engineering student living alone in Golden, a suburb of the city. She had been alone in her apartment, asleep, when she was woken up, pinned to her bed by a man with a scarf wrapped around his face. He also had a gun and told her he'd shoot her if she screamed. He tied her hands and took out a series of items, including bottled water, lube, and moist towelettes. He spent four hours raping her and taking photos he claimed he would post online if she went to the police. He had her brush her teeth and take a shower after the assault. When she had gotten out of the shower, he was gone along with her bedding. She remembered one of his physical attributes. He had a dark, egg-sized mark on his left calf. Galbraith took the woman to St. Anthony North Hospital to have a rape kit done to collect all of the possible evidence. The victim made a scary observation to Galbraith. She said, I think he's done this before. Oh, a gross detail that the victim had shared with Galbraith before the rapist left. Wait, have you seen Unbelievable? No. Okay. Why? Is this... No? This isn't what it is? No, it I don't 100% know. is. Oh, okay. For one, for one of the... But I want to hear... For... There are so many layers that I'm sure it's a very layered show. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's... Why do I get such crazy chills about everything? <laughs> they hurt. <laughs> Go. Before the rapist left, he showed her how he broke in through a sliding glass door and he suggested putting a dowel in the bottom track so prowlers can't get in. Mm -hmm. She had even described him as a gentleman. The detective shared this story with her husband, David, who was also a cop but worked at another precinct in In Westminster. Westminster, Mm -hmm. about 15 (laughs) miles away. He told his wife that they had a case just like hers and that she needed to reach out to his department. So the next day, Galbraith reached out to the Westminster Police Department, Detective Edna Hendershot. I'm like looking to you like you know her, right? Uh, Old Edna. We all call her Eddie. (laughs) Detective Edna Hendershot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. She received the message and remembered a rape six months prior in August of 2010. A 59-year-old woman was attacked while asleep by a man in a black mask. Her hands were tied. He used her pink Sony Cybershot camera to take photos of her. He made her shower following the rape, telling her, I guess you won't leave your window open in the future. And he left during her shower. Hendershot also had more. When she was investigating her case, she was informed about another similar case in Aurora that happened 10 months prior in October 2009. A 65-year-old woman, black scarf over a man's face, hands tied. He took photos. She told him, you should get help, which he responded, it's too late for that. Mm. Well, the engineering student, I remember, she gave so much fucking detail. Like, she mm-hmm. rem- she was, like, looking at the clock, having him answer, like, because they, they, like, chatted. Yeah. he I've, would, like, chat, chit-chat with these women. I condensed this as much as I possibly yeah. could, but because there's so much it's, detail. There's so much. It's insanity. Galbraith, Hendershot, and... Roar Detective Scott Burgess got together a week later to compare investigation details. Um, The woman in Galbraith's case recalled her attacker using a pink Sony digital camera. Mm -hmm. The show is so fucking good, but you know how I don't get really weird about rapists and stuff and like you're different, like... (laughs) (laughs) And like you're different. I mean, you're different, you're normal in the sense like you will... Sleep with a hammer under my pillow. Or whatever, you know, like you're more scared of that stuff and I'm all like, lock my windows. I like the cold air. And and you're then, like lock my windows. What? So the ghosts don't get out? <laughs> that's what that's what I was gonna say. But I'm like, I think I heard a demon. It's harder for me to watch horror movies that are about real people doing fucked up things to each other. Mm-hmm. I could watch fucking Drag Me to Hell every day. Like it, that doesn't yeah. do anything. I've never seen it, but I I get it. The <laughs> title gives it away. It's yeah. obviously a Muppets classic. <laughs> 
I don't, but, but like House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. I can't watch that kind of shit. You're fucking scary. I'm never driving through the country again. That's why I don't like slasher films. Oh, a guy with a knife, whatever. That's in the news. Yeah, duh. We know that happens. Dead before dawn. Dead before dawn. It's like, it's creepy. (laughs) But that's not even what I was going to say. Oh, when I watched the show, even that was a lot for me. Like, cause some of the scenes I was like, and I've never done this before. I've never had a show. Ooh. I actually got paused and got up and like locked every single window, whatever. It might be a little too much for you, some of the scenes. Yeah, you're saying it. I'm already getting preempted anxiety about it. So initially the female detectives, they're now working together. Can you just say detectives? I'm saying female. No, I know. I'm saying female detectives because originally Galbraith, Hendershot, and Scott Burgess Mm. all sat down together. And then they were like, bye, Scott. We're tag team in this shit. Wait, I wonder if Scott Burgess is related to Curtis Burgess, who was an amazing tattoo artist in Fort Collins, Colorado. Burgess isn't um, a unique last name though it's not i don't think so hmm. anyway the the lady gal detectives <laughs> <laughs> got their periods on important paperwork and were wired <laughs> they made popcorn and put on jams and sang out of hairbrushes <laughs> So they thought they may have a break with a white Mazda pickup appearing 10 times in security cameras. So initially they were like, oh, is this the rapist waiting for his target to fall asleep? But it was a dead end because they couldn't make out the license plate on the fuzzy surveillance footage. Also, let's get better cameras because we have better cameras on our phones. And they're just like, yeah, but security cameras have to be How many types black of cops? and white and pixelated yeah. and shitty. So How that many you're types like, of cops run into this? The only reason we have those is for... For the police to go, hey, we're going to need to get those security tapes. Yeah. And every time they're like, mm, can't make out the face, can't yeah. make out the plates. <laughs> That's shaped like a truck. <laughs> What is that, a truck? (laughs) I'm pulling my glasses down. Fast forward to late January. The detectives expanded their search to other neighboring agencies to find possible similar crimes. They found a burglary attempt in Lakewood, which is another Denver suburb, that had happened shortly before the Westminster rape. A 46-year-old woman, guy in a black mask, attempted to tie her wrist, but she jumped from her window. It was a seven-foot drop from her bedroom. She broke three ribs and she punctured her lung. How terrifying to possibly not at this point, but later find out that, hey, if I wouldn't have jumped out of my window, this would have happened to me. Mm -hmm. The police found shoe prints outside as well as honeycomb marks on her window. The Westminster scene had also had honeycomb marks on the window. A Lakewood investigator linked them, just randomly linked them to a pair of Under Armour gloves Mm. from Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh, plug. Uh, Send me a canoe. The shoe prints were also a match for the two places because shoe prints were found at either one. Galbraith sent the imprint images to crimeshoe.com, R-A-P, because it's been debunked. They don't use it anymore. Oh, defunct. Defunct, yeah. Yeah. So they were ID'd as Adidas ZX700 mesh shoes. They're just like basic running shoes. Initially, they had thought this guy had escaped DNA identification because he was meticulous in wiping DNA evidence from each of the four crime scenes. But techs were able to recover three itty-bitty samples. The types of samples they got, they could have down to seven or eight cells, and they would be able to detect DNA from that. Mm -hmm. This was also in the show. It's dead on. I'm glad for that. Yeah. Uh, So February 9th of 2011, they were only able to find that the DNA that they had picked up was from the same paternal family line. I'm not 100% why, but this meant that they couldn't enter it into the nationwide database to check for a match. But I assume it's to prevent false IDs because it did tell them that there was solid knowledge of what they were speculating all along, that these crimes came from the same person. What the DNA said basically was, yeah, we can't say definitively 
that this is from this individual, but I can say that a dude in this family mm-hmm. committed this crime. Yeah. So they felt like they may be stalled, but that was until a Lakewood PD crime analyst brought forward some information that she didn't realize would be crucial. In a search for reports of sus vehicles, suspect vehicles, or people lurking around the areas of the crimes, she found that a man sitting in a vehicle had been reported. She made note of it because it was a half a block from the Lakewood rape three weeks prior. The vehicle was a 1993 white Mazda pickup truck registered to Lakewood resident Mark Patrick O'Leary. Mm-hmm. And they're like, holy shit, that's the truck. Galbraith compares pics taken of O'Leary's truck. Lakewood patrol cars were equipped with cameras that automatically took pictures of every passing license plate, meaning they had a database of plates and vehicle images. Was this in the show? Was that detail in the show? I think so. Just the fact that the, because I didn't know that um, some cities have this, the patrol cars, the, every car they would pass on their vehicle, on the cop car, it takes it takes an image of any car that passes them or that they pass, it takes an image of that license plate. So they had all this whole database of license plate and vehicle. They just went to the database to... It was, because then they went... Yeah. Which, again, sounds like something that, well, how are we going to match the truck? Well, I don't know. There's a database where, like, we have all these pictures of everybody's car in the city. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess. It doesn't seem like it's a real thing, it's but probably okay. not going to lead anywhere. <laughs> they want to compare it to the surveillance footage from the crime in Golden because they have that shitty footage mm-hmm. of the white truck circling her apartment building. Both trucks had a broken passenger side mirror, a ball hitch on the back, and the same smear on the back. Mm-hmm. Hendershot and Galbraith were, they were very excited. They got a hold of O'Leary's photo from the Colorado DMV. Creepy fact, DMV records show that he sat for a driver's license photo only four hours after the rape in <gasps> Westminster. Mm-hmm. Was that in the show? It was, actually. Jesus fucking Christ. Where they were like, he went to the DMV afterwards? And then they started to think about how he planned things out so well that it was like he planned the rape and then his day. And It was just you know like I mean? checking off. Exactly. That was checklist. exactly. Yeah. Because they were like, what? You know? <sighs> yeah. He was 6'1", hazel eyes, 32 years old, and 220 pounds. The survivor of the Westminster attack reported that he was wearing a white t-shirt. He had a white t-shirt on in a DMV pick. His build was also a match when compared to what was reported by all of the survivors. Um, And I love Hendershot's quote, I'm encouraged, I'm excited, I haven't made my decision yet that, yay, we've got the guy. <laughs> I just have never heard a serious detective in a situation like this be like, yay. I mean, I'm not like, yay. But <laughs> I'm like, yay. They dove into finding out all they could on O'Leary, zero criminal record, and he had served in the army. Also that O'Leary had purchased a porn site in September of 2008. Originally, like in this story, they were like, is that where these women's photos are? And I thought that's where this was going. But oh, that he was going to like put them all on there. Or that he, yeah, or that he was already or something. I was just like, <gasps> No, but then it doesn't get referenced again. So I don't think it was at this point. They obtained O'Leary's DNA in the most cop show way imaginable. They followed him to a restaurant, waited until he left and rushed in before the table was cleared to grab his glass that he was drinking from. That was in the show too. She was like, wait! To the waitress. They couldn't conclusively match his DNA to the crime scene samples they had, but they could see if his DNA fell into the familial line that they found if they were to get this DNA. Then they could go on to eliminate his male relatives from the suspect pool. So they're like, yeah, even though we can't definitively match right away that it's him, it just is one step closer to he's our guy. They're just, so here's the twist. While police were obtaining O'Leary's DNA, 
an FBI agent went to the door of his home. He was going to install a surveillance camera in the area to keep an eye on things, but he wanted to make sure nobody was home. So he knocked on O'Leary's door. You guys, <laughs> a dude answered the door and he looked just like Mark O'Leary. Turns out it was, and he lived with his brother, Michael, and Michael's girlfriend. And that's who they had followed to the restaurant mm. was his brother. Now it's going from like amazing cop show stuff to this is a straight up soap opera. But mm. this stuff all legit happened. Yeah. So they're just like, we're still going to run the DNA from the glass because we're just looking for a familial match. It was a familial match. So it meant that one or both of the brothers was the rapist. Galbraith worked to get a search warrant for the O'Leary house because she's like, I need to see that egg-shaped freaking birthmark on that dude's leg. I got to see it on somebody's leg. That was the defining characteristic of this guy mm -hmm. was this birthmark. February 13th, 2011, Galbraith headed up the search warrant for the O'Leary home. Mark O'Leary answered the door and she checked his legs. She just like dove down, pulled up his gray sweatpants and was like, there it is. Boom. Egg birthmark, left calf and he was immediately arrested for the golden rape. In the house, they found the Adidas ZX700s, Under Armour gloves with the honeycomb pattern palms, bindings, pink Cybershot camera, a backpack with lube and wet wipes. They also discovered a stash of women's underwear. He had kept a pair from each victim as trophies. Here's a quote from her. He was military, so he was very organized. This was the cleanest house I've ever searched. It was so organized. We were like, oh, thank God. Because whenever they have a search warrant, they're probably like, oh, Jesus Christ. I gotta go um, through all this bullshit. Making a murderer. Have you ever seen the pictures mm -hmm. from Stephen Avery's place? Mm -hmm. You know, it's gotta be so difficult, but this guy's place was, everything had a spot. I mean, he was, yeah. like she said, like he was military. So Mark O'Leary pled guilty to 28 counts of rape and other felonies in Colorado. He was sentenced to 327 and a half years in prison. The I thought you were gonna say days for a second. I'd have been like, fuck years. everything. And then he got more later mm -hmm. added to it. This is just like more, more now because yeah. he's going to die there. Yeah. The creepiest quote of all time, when being interviewed about his attack, he described the feeling after raping an elderly woman. It was like I'd just eaten Thanksgiving dinner. Ew. Yeah. Fucking sick. You mean like stuffed and about to barf? Is that the last of it? I'm not done. Oh, okay. Because so- I was, <laughs> I was initially going to leave this part out and I'm like, I can't because there were references to Harper being doubted throughout the episode of SVU, like her being questioned. So the part I left out was also very extensive, but equally as important. So it was about an 18 year old woman who was raped in Washington state in 2008. She reported it. And because of minor inconsistencies and people deciding how they felt she should behave after an attack, she was accused of lying about it and bullied by police into a confession that she lied. It fucked her head up so much she couldn't even know for sure what the truth was. At one point, she's like, I need therapy. I need to talk to someone. I need to take a lie detector test because she wasn't sure about what she was even telling the truth about anymore because she was convinced that it didn't happen. But she's like, but I, I can see him. She was just fucked. Was this in the show? Okay. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for because I, I was like in the beginning, it starts off with her. And then so, she only gets redemption, but oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, she was fined and basically given a rape cry scarlet letter. All of her friends yeah. dipped. Yeah. Fast forward to 2011 and Galbraith finding a photo of the young woman tied up with her learner's permit sitting on her chest in O'Leary's yep. home. Bananas, full circle shit. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, she sued the shit out of the city and was completely cleared of charges made against her. A lot of apologies her way. Well-deserved. Oh, also I saw Mark O'Leary's mugshot and he looks like stupid-ass Timothy McVeigh. It's the same fucking buzz cut white guy. Mm. Um, 
about 13% of rape cases are perpetrated by a stranger. Mm -hmm. So that means that all of the other ones are someone you know. Yeah, I feel like the whole thing in the 80s after that Jacob Wetterling um, stranger danger shit really didn't do much good for any children that have been molested or people who have been raped because honestly it's it's people you know. Yeah. And that's the actual fact. But I think, I feel like people want to like kind of just, they don't want to believe that. Well, no, because then you have to look at everybody. Yeah. Oh no, he would never. No, you never. Yeah. Like I think everybody I know, yeah, is like a full blown child molester. Like everybody. Yeah. Not that anybody could be like not full blown if that's what they're doing. Like there's <laughs> there's just a solid line there. Yeah. Also, another thing that I found interesting: between one quarter to two thirds of rapists are serial attackers. Mm-hmm. Two thirds is a big. That's a number. That's bigger than three fourths. I know that from math, right? Wait. Yep. No, it is. Two thirds is bigger than three fourths. A little bit. Three fourths is seventy five percent. Two thirds is sixty six percent. Is it? Yeah. Oh well, then then yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. I do know that. Well, I have been measuring things out wrong when baking, and it explains a lot. (laughs) So in the 1600s, England's Chief Justice Matthew Hale was quoted to say that rape is an accusation easily to be made and hard to be proved and harder to be defended by the party accused. Judges in the United States read the Hale warning, they called it that, to juries as recent as the 1980s. They would read that to the jury before a rape trial. No. Now we know that false reporting is relatively rare. FBI figures show that police annually declare around 5% of rape cases unfounded or baseless. So I'm going to um, throw you across the room okay. and then break everything Because I'm petite and <laughs> haven't gained weight recently. <laughs> Dude, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I know. That's, that's the What's end. The so I pretty much fuck? just gave the synopsis of the show. It looks like, and I really want to watch it now. You should. I need to get mom because I don't have time. I have I have like <laughs> 10 seasons of Drag Race to watch. I need to get mine. I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> I haven't turned regular TV on. Regular, regular t- TV? Well, I haven't turned a television on in a minute. I watch, oh. I watch Drag Race on my phone in bed alone. I have this contraption that's <laughs> that clamps to my bed frame. I'm yes. not kidding. And it's yes. got a giant arm and I lay there. With my hands folded across my bosom. Where do you get... Can you send it to me? Amazon. I will send... Yeah. You. John walked in. I am sick of laying on my belly when I watch my phone stuff. Oh, my God. Or, like, holding my hand above my face with holding my little All pop socket. All goes to your elbow. I get achy in my elbow. So, <laughs> instead, I just put it in this little clamp. I've given up contraption, and I watch TV laying on my back okay, and ignore my poor husband. He walked in one night, and he's just like, this was after, like, a week prior. He was like, hey, you're kind of in your own little world with your headphones and stuff. Could you maybe like spend a little more time? And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. And then then I have this set up. Next thing you know, you're going to have one of those like pop-up tent (laughs) that you can put your mattress in, you know, for kids. He unzips the window like... You want to get weird or touch your boob? I just I let him put his arms through through the so you zip it just enough for his his arm to go through one boob. You got three squeezes. (laughs) Marriage. All right, I think that's it. Yep. All right, love you. Come to (laughs) my munch. Munch is questioning theory. Stapes pops in. You're a cancer now, Leo. Lots of dick swinging going. Ha ha ha!